Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, it's fantastic to be speaking to you this morning. Um, we're launching a new series, so you might want to have a Bible out or available on your phone to follow. You might want to have some way of taking notes, uh, hoping and praying that the Lord will speak to you this morning. Uh, and as you're just finding your Bible and your notepad or paper or pen or phone, let me just pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So let's just pray in this place. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence already here with us. We love your presence. We love what you do in making us more like Jesus. And so we pray now, would you continue to move in our midst? We invite you to speak to us through Scripture right now. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about songs, first of all. Songs get stuck inside your head, don't they? Songs get stuck inside your head. Once a person gets a song, they can keep it for a long time. And I know as a, as a songwriter that that's what any good songwriter wants to do. They want to get stuck inside your head. And I'm going to say a few things now that show my age, but when I was a teenager... Songs really mattered for relationships. Like if, if you liked a girl or the other way around, you'd make what was called a mixtape. Anyone know what I mean? Come on, show me a hand if you're my age or older. A mixtape. For those younger, you'd spend hours. Pause, record, pause, record, pause, record, rewind, pause, record, pause, record, pause. Oh, no, I messed it up all the way back to start. Making a mixtape and you'd scribble some notes on it and you'd hand it or you'd put it in an envelope with a letter. Can you believe it? pen and paper and you give it to the girl or to the boy the mixtape it would communicate something powerful by the time me and Becky got together you could do it on a CD and that was revolutionary you could burn a CD it didn't mean putting it in a fire for those under 40 it meant you could like record on it make a CD a mixtape CD nowadays of course it's all fake it's all virtual Spotify playlists and stuff But songs matter to us, don't they? They really matter. They get stuck inside our brains and then our hearts and our minds. And often the songs that mean most to us come from our teenage years. I asked my wife, Becky, what was an example from your teenage years that mattered? I'm just going to show you a photo and some of you will recognize this. Next slide. (laughs) Kylie and Jason, anyone? They just got back together for a neighbor's reunion. Kylie Minogue, of course, most famous song, I Should Be So Lucky. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Now, for me, it was a bit different. Here's my song from my teenage youth, very different. Any Nirvana fans? Yeah, come on, come on. Smells Like Teen Spirit, what a tune, fantastic. And even the kids these days are wearing the T-shirts again. I'm very pleased with that. So these songs matter to us. So what about you? What about you? You've got 90 seconds to share with the person next to you a song that matters to you right now. The first one that comes into your head, go, come on. Songs or pieces of music, go. Online, write it up.
All right. I can see lots of smiling faces and then several shocked and horrified faces as you've heard what the person next to you loves. All right, all right. Bring it back, bring it back. You see, songs really matter. They're very powerful things. And never mind worship songs, like songs in, in a Christian context, in a faith context like ours, they, they carry an experience of God and they make it invitational for others. So that when the song starts, or here, when we gather together, it's like an invitation to you, hey, come and step inside this experience of God. They capture and communicate and invite shared participation. They give you a, a language, a spacious place in which to relate to God, to speak to God's face with everyone else. Songs are super powerful. This series, all through the summer, we're looking at the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is right in the middle of our Bibles, and it's perhaps best understood for us today as a collection of songs. A collection of songs. Next slide, please. In the form we have it in our Bibles, there's 150 lyrics, 150 sets of lyrics, and they're divided into five books, and I won't go through all the numbers, I've put them on the screen for you if you're interested, five books that we think mimic the five books of the law, the Torah or the Pentateuch of the Old Testament, five books. They come from David's time, and we tend to associate these lyrics with King David and the temple period, but actually they were compiled from his time Onwards, In fact, only about 70, 75 of them were written, we know, by David. There's about 50 that are anonymous, we just don't know. There's even one that stretches back to Moses. Moses and Miriam, do you remember their song after the Red Sea? So there's, there's one psalm that kind of goes back to Moses, we think. So there's 150 of them. But what's interesting is, and what tells us something about this collection of lyrics, this mixtape, is that every one of the five books ends with what Pentecostals would call a praise break. A praise break. This is where we just pause and praise, all right? Let's do that now. We're gonna pause and praise. Go, come on, shout it out, praise him. Come on, come on, praise him. Hallelujah. He's good, he's worthy, come on. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. Wasn't that good? It's good to have a praise break. Car journeys, kitchens, walking to work, praise break, okay? So, can we have that slide back? Thank you so much. Each of those books ends with a praise break, with, a, with an amen, with a line like, blessed be here, praise him, or hallelujah. And in fact, the whole collection of 150 songs, it ends with Psalm 150, and the whole of 150 is a praise break. I'm gonna read it to you now. Next slide, please, of, of Psalm 150. It says this, Hallelujah, praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Did anyone see those web telescope pictures this week of the skies? Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with a blast on the trumpet. Praise him with strumming soft strings. Praise him with castanets and dance. 
Praise him with banjo and flute. Praise him with cymbals and a big bass drum. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you feel that momentum to your heart and mind and life to join in? To praise God. God, this tells us something deep about what this book, this mixtape is for, what it's about, this orientation towards God, to live your life in front of God alongside your brothers and sisters. This book of 150 lyrics, it carries lament, it carries space for pain, but it orientates us towards the promise that Jesus is alive, there's hope coming, restoration, renewal of all things. It carries pain, but in the vehicle of promise and praise. So this is a mixtape book, a burn CD playlist designed for both public worship like here today and private devotion, both together as Christians and when we're apart, both gathered and scattered through our city Monday to Friday. This is your mixtape. This is your resource, your outpouring of worship. More than that, we recognize ourselves in the lyrics, like we do with all great songs. That's why they they resonate in in our lives. They, they, They say things that we didn't know we needed to say, but when we read them, they help us get out our feelings, our thoughts, what's going on inside us to God. I'll give you some examples if we could have the next slide of four psalms up. These are some of the famous examples. Psalm 23, we used this at my uncle's funeral recently. It's often used at funerals. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's an example of a a lyric that when we don't know what to say, it, it just says it for us. Or, or Psalm 51, this, this song of David when he has sinned, when he's done something he knows he shouldn't have done before the Lord. And we all, again, know what that's like. We know that we fall short of God's glory, every one of us. And so these words, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Or Psalm 22, and we're going to have one of the series over the summer, we're going to have a whole Sunday just on Psalm 22. It's used by Jesus himself, perhaps on the cross when he doesn't know again what to say. It comes to his mind, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, why are you so far from helping me? And that, that last line, why are you so far from helping me? We all know that feeling. Even if we've been walking with God for a long time, there are those prayers you pray and God just doesn't seem to answer how you think it should come. My God, my God, where are you? Why are you so far from helping me? Or Psalm 40, finally, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. I mean, just the power of that, he turned to me. He turned towards me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Again, just the power of imagery in these lyrics that 
that, that kind of do more than just intellectual prose, but they, they drop deep down where we live. They bury down into our, into our lives and they give us strength and hope for the future. So this collection of song lyrics is, is powerful stuff. It's, it's an amazing book. But I find myself asking, okay, fine. I can see this is really, really well-constructed poetry. They're really good collection of songs. But why are they so important? Why are they so important to us in 2022, thousands of years later? Why are they so important that we're going to do a whole couple of months on this book, on this mixtape, these song lyrics? Why? Well, again, showing my age, I'm going to ask, does anyone recognize this next slide? It's of a bracelet. Anyone recognize this? Mid-90s, again, classic. What would Jesus do? I can see some of you didn't put up your hand, but I can see on your faces you recognize it. What would, you're like, no, I'm nothing to do with that. I never wore one. No. I tried to get a T-shirt. You can order T-shirts of this, by the way, but I ran out of time. Otherwise, you would have seen it on me. What would Jesus do? This was a big trend in Christianity in the mid to late 90s. And like most things, I'm sure it started with very good intentions. Uh, very good intentions. Because, we, I mean, we do. We want to do what Jesus did. We want to be like Jesus. This is the whole point of following Jesus, of thinking like he thought, doing what he did. In, in this situation you're facing at work, what would Jesus do is a really helpful question to ask. In, in, in this uh, period of time in your life where there's something over here that is threatening you, you, you can't control it, it might be health, it might be finance, it might be a relational thing, it might just be totally out of the blue and it's over here and it's just there every day and you're waking up and it's there and you don't know what to do, what would Jesus do is a good question to ask. What would he think? What would he pray? What would his level of peace be inside himself is a good question to ask. In terms of your calling, your decision-making about your business or about your home life or relationships or your street life, like what would Jesus do is a good question to ask. How do I become more like him? Never mind questions like how do I do miracles like him? Like how do I heal like Jesus healed? How do I respond to people with the incredible compassion that Jesus had? How do I have wisdom to answer my accusers with humility and yet absolute authority and strength? And perhaps the hardest thing in the world, more harder than doing miracles, how do I act completely selflessly as he did in going to the cross for me? Like, how? How do I do that. You see, we often focus on Jesus' output, on what he did, but I wonder what was stuck inside his head. What was Jesus' input? What did he need? Well, we know sometimes he retreated, yes. He needed to remove himself from the crowd. We know that sometimes he needed the voice of his father speaking affirmation to him, guiding him. We know he needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit for power. But one thing we also know, he knew off by heart 
and he quoted and lived within this mixtape of the Psalms, the sung Torah, the sung teachings, the sung law. And from these 150 lyrics, he learned how to trust God, his Father. He learned how to be faithful and faith-filled. He learned how to persevere through trials, even to death on a cross. And in those three days between death and resurrection, I don't doubt he had this mixtape playing on repeat in his head. The pain carried within the promise. Restoration, renewal, resurrection, all things made new again. These are the songs I think that carried him through. Some examples from his life to prove this point. The words on the cross we've mentioned already in Mark 15. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 lyric. We know when he was questioned about, well, look, what are you saying, Jesus? It doesn't make sense. How can you be David's descendant and yet David's Lord? It didn't make any sense. They're trying to catch him out on his identity. And he replies with Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll make your enemies a footstool for your feet. We know in the parable of the tenants in Mark 12, Jesus again is being, trying to be caught out by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he replies with a lyric from Psalm 118, 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone. Again, so clever. He's taking the lyrics someone else wrote and he's making it about himself, confronting the evil forces around him. Jesus knew these lyrics. And here's um, one of the greatest theologians of our time, Tom Wright. He says this, therefore, if we could have this quote up. What Jesus believed and understood about his own identity and vocation and what Paul came to believe and understand about Jesus' unique achievement they believed and understood within a psalm-shaped world. That same shaping, remarkably, is open to us today. Wow. That last line. What? What, if I start reading these lyrics, they'll mold my character, they'll shape my worldview, they'll fuel my faith level, they'll fill my joy tank, they'll hand over to me hope? What? What? If I get inside my life what he had inside his life, I'll have a whole worldview that is Jesus-like. What? 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 So, so this impact on Jesus' identity, on his ministry, on his compassion, on his energy, both spiritual and physical, on his relationship with God, on how he understood himself, on how others understood him, on his perseverance, on his mind, on his confidence. Do you need any of those today? The focus on what he had stuck inside his head. Look at his input. This is the point. The deep truth is we can't have Jesus' impact without paying attention to his input. We won't have significant kingdom impact without investing in our own input. The soundtrack of the soul, the mixtape we need. You see, if someone said there's a guaranteed way for you to be more like Jesus, you'd be like, give it me. And yet we neglect to forget it's right here. Get inside your head what he had inside his head. And the temptation is how the enemy works is he offers the end product 
if you avoid the process. He comes to Jesus, doesn't he, in Luke 4 in the temptation. Yep, we can shortcut the cross. You don't, that's what it was all about. You don't need to do the cross, Jesus. Come on, mate. Like, you, you, you've got power. Like, he, he tells him a half truth. You've got all power. You don't need to go to the cross. Just rule over everyone straight away. Let's do it. We'll do it together if you want. Shortcut. The pain of the cross for the promise. Shortcut to buy off the shelf the purchase rather than go through the endurance of the process. That's what our culture is teaching us all the time. Just get it. Just have it now. The temptation to shortcut and focus on impact rather than do the hard investment and input. I played football the other day. Anyone play football here? Come on. Anyone enjoying the England games at the moment as well on telly? Yes, few of us, reluctantly. Yeah, so I played football. We had a staff retreat. And so all the staff, uh, well, not all of us, but some of us played some football. And I have to tell you, it was the first time in a while for me. It was a great game, and I learned a lot about my colleagues. I learned that Nick Herbert, if he gets the ball, he just shoots. <laughs> Scoring doesn't matter to him. He just shoots every time. I learned that Jerome plays the long ball like the team he supports, Villa. Stays back, kicks it forward. Sophie's got some very strong footwork. She's nifty on the ball, I tell you. And the Tim Muller's a great cheerleader. <laughs> but I also really hurt my ribs in that game, I tell you. And I would love to say I was doing something really clever and cool, but I just tripped over the ball. <laughs> just tripped over the ball. Uh, but it, it, like, it hurt, but then the adrenaline of the game kicks in, doesn't it? And you just keep keep playing You're like oh well you know it's just, it's just one of those things but I tell you what after the game throughout the rest of the day into the evening it just got worse and worse and worse and by the time I got to bed and when I laid down it was excruciating I can't tell you that in my ribs it's excruciating it's not funny he was laughing <laughs> it's not funny it was excruciating pain as I laid down. And um, they can't tell whether, you know, you've broken or bruised. They can't generally tell and they can't do anything anyway. But I've rarely had such pain. It's starting to get better. But when I lie down to sleep, last night again was still, for it can have some sympathy in the room. Thank you. 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 Now, here's the thing. I had not been doing a lot of training, I have to tell you. <laughs> I, I, if I hadn't played a game for about four years, <laughs> COVID and everything, you know, I haven't been doing a lot of training. And here's what I learned. If you don't invest in your input, you can be taken out of the game. The impact may well end up being on yourself in a bad way. If you don't invest in your input, you can be taken out of the game. You can be a danger to yourself. It's a serious point. I, I think this is what Jesus meant in some really strange passages in Scripture. There's this one in Luke 11 where he talks about if you cast out a demon and sweep the house clean, then the demon will find his mates and come back and refill it. You're like, what? What's that mean? I think it means if you don't invest in input to replace what's gone out. If you don't invest in the Holy Spirit renewing you, restoring you, bringing the fruits of the Spirit, then you're left vulnerable in the game. There's another similar passage in Acts 19 in Ephesus when um, these guys are going around casting out demons. But these demons say to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And they leap on this guy and beat him up. They're like, what? You know, I've always thought, what's that mean? I think 
it means they didn't invest in their input. They were just hungry for the impact. They took the shortcut of Luke 4 temptation. We don't want to be a flash in the pan community, do we? We don't want to be a flash in the pan follower of Jesus. We want to build a legacy here in Birmingham, in our nation, of being a people that are known for being generous, alive in God, expectant of God's holy presence that's talked about all through the Psalms, resting upon us and going out with us into our city Monday to Friday, into our streets through us. We want to be known as a real people who carry pain within promise of the cross. We don't want to be a flash in the pan. And so we need to invest in our input as much as focusing on our output. And that's why we're doing this series. And as I'm coming into land, I want to invite us to journey with this mixtape, with these psalms throughout this summer. Whether you're going to be around a lot, or whether you're going to be away a lot, you could still journey with us through the beautiful gift of online community as well. We want to train our minds, our hearts, so we have perseverance, power, and resilience for the long game of having kingdom impact in our world. Kingdom impact in our world. Anyone know the Lego movie? Next slide, please. Lego movie fans? Uh, Lego movie fans, yeah? Everything is awesome. Join in when you know it. Everything is cool. It's out of the team. Everything is awesome. Oh, come on, people. So they had this great song. They had this great song in the first movie. And then they did the second movie and they were like, they now really want to be deliberate about writing a great song that gets stuck inside people's heads. So I'm going to read you the lyrics. Michael said I couldn't play it because it'll get cut out on YouTube. So this song's going to get stuck inside your head. There is nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. This song is stuck on replay. You've got to sing it every single day. From the morning and through the night, I got the moving left to right. And if you wonder who's to blame, yeah, it's me stuck in your brain like a permanent stain and it won't change. Even if you go insane, this song is now in your brain and in your brain it will remain. This song is going to get stuck inside you. Run, but you can't hide. I'll find you. This one is going to get stuck inside your head. I love that. And what I want us to do this summer is get these songs so stuck inside our heads that even when we run, we will be found by them. Even when we hide, they will pop up in our mind and remind us of the promise we have in Jesus. Our perfecter of our faith, the model, the guide. If it mattered to him, it must matter to us. And to end, some practical tips, some things for you, how you can do this. Well, first of all, get a copy. If you don't have one, maybe you're here for the first time, like just, just get a copy of Scripture, of the Bible. Um, you can access it, obviously, on your phone, anywhere you are. You might want to get a copy, though, you can write on, you can draw around. And here's just three ways of getting them stuck inside your head uh, from, from a couple from my own life and then one from someone else's. First of all, uh, at the start of this year, I was just doing a verse at a time. If we could have this slide that looks like an Instagram shot, but it's not, it's just my house. Uh, it's just my window, my blackboard. So earlier in the year, I was just like scribbling on our kitchen blackboard, like one verse from a psalm and trying to learn it, just try and get it inside me. And you might want to do that this summer. You might want to do it every day. You might just do it for a week. Like just have one that you 
have for the whole week. Just, just get it inside your head. Uh, there's, I'm currently doing a, pa- a different pattern. I'm, thanks, you can take that off. I'm reading one whole psalm in the morning and one whole psalm in the evening and just like drawing, scribbling around it, anything that leaps out. doesn't take long at all. But it's just a way to journey through them. And that pattern is a traditional Christian pattern. It's a pattern used in the Church of England, worship, morning and evening prayer. Um, so it's a, it's a tried and tested route to getting them stuck inside your head. And then thirdly and finally, there's the five-a-day method. Those of you who like fruit and veg will like this method. Five-a-day. So you read five-a-day and then you get it all done in a month. Isn't that good? Some of you will like that. I just want to do it for a month. Get it all done. Five-a-day. And uh, you cover the whole Psalms in one month. And um, here's just a picture of Billy Graham. Again, I picked this because Billy Graham is known for his impact, right? I mean, I don't know what the stats are, but he, he spoke the gospel, he spoke of Jesus to thousands and thousands of people, maybe millions around the world, uh, end up getting saved through his impact. But maybe you didn't know this. He did the five-a-day method his whole life. So he would read five Psalms every day and one chapter of Proverbs. So every month he did both books all the way through. And here's what he said. The Psalms teach me how to get along with God. The Proverbs, how to get along with people. (laughs) Isn't that good? The Psalms teach me how to get along with God. The Proverbs with people. So as the band um, come up, we're going to now move into a time of communion as our response, and it's, it's, it's perfect to respond with communion because communion is an input moment. It, it's a moment where all you can do is receive. And that, that's, by the way, why I encourage you to come up just with your hands out. You don't take the wafer, you just receive it because it's for your input. It's Jesus's body and blood representing all of his life by the Holy Spirit's power being poured into you, coming into you. So as you come forward in in, in a moment to receive communion, can I encourage you to surrender your own impact? Like just lay it down. Maybe now it's in your mind. Like we spend our weeks thinking about our impact in our families, in our workplace, in our communities, what we're trying to achieve, what we're trying to do, what we need. Can I encourage you to surrender your impact? And just come and commit to the input. And commit to a summer of investing in your input as you journey with us through the Psalms. Let me pray and then Tim's going to come up and lead us. Let's just pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence here with us now. And we thank you for the mind that you had. And we thank you that you spent time investing in your input. That we don't have all the stories of how you did it, but we know you did because we can see the impact. I said, Lord, would you do a work in us? Would you pour out a spirit that leads us to invest in our input? Holy Spirit, come. And I pray for everyone hearing this that you would anoint their reading of scripture this summer you would anoint these song lyrics this mixtape that even when we run and hide from you it would find us and it would turn our hearts back to you
And Lord, we pray finally that we would be a people who share this mixtape with those around us. Lord, give us confidence. Give us boldness. Like those early years of passing on good songs to someone else we cared about. Motivate us and move us to pass on the good songs about you, Jesus. Just have a moment just to, in the stillness, just to hear the Lord for you. Maybe just to invite his spirit to be at work in you just before you come up for communion. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.